2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, before I read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to read Ephesians 5, 8. And it's been such a great series for us because change is happening all around us. Change is happening every day. It's happening hourly. If you're a business person, you know this because culture is changing, economy is changing. And so even if change isn't happening in your business, one thing you learn as a business person is that you need to create change in your business in order to keep up with the culture, with the economy, and different things that are taking place. The same is true in church. We need to understand culture, and we need to keep up with culture that's changing in order to reach culture. Paul said this, I, that I would become all things to all men so that I could reach some of them. Okay? Now, Paul obviously understood he's not going to reach all of them, but he understood this thought of change. I need to understand culture that's changing so that I can change and begin to reach that culture. Change is happening in everything we do. As you're married, the longer you stay married, change happens within a marriage. You start having children, jobs change, different things. Okay? Change is happening all the time. We learned this, that when God brings change, though, it's always for our betterment and for the furtherment of his kingdom. That when God brings change, he wants to take us from certain places in our life to awesome places. Whatever that represents in you, he wants to make it awesome. But when God brings change, we talked a little bit about this last week, God is not after changing the external, he's after changing the internal. He goes after our character because... The Bible shows us very clearly that the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross is internal, but whatever happens internally will be seen externally. So we're going to continue with that thought today. Next week we're going to start jumping into specific name changes that took place in the Bible and the relevance of them back then and the relevance of them to us today. But this morning I want to talk to you about what I believe is the greatest name change that ever takes place, and it's because of the work of the cross. First, I want to read to Ephesians 5, verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. One time you were dark, now you're light. Walk as that light. Everybody say change. change. There's a change that took place there. We were dark, now we're light. Walk as children of light. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Starting in verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. And he's writing them. This is actually the second letter he's writing them. And right here in this section, he says something that we need to understand. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying this. It's not just behold the awesomeness of God. What he's actually saying in context is behold the wrath of God. Because of the wrath of God, we are fearful. Why does God have wrath? God has wrath because he hates sin. And when he looks at humanity and he sees sin in his children, the Bible is very clear that God has wrath towards that sin. But because of the grace of God, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, thus shielding us from the wrath of God, and now coming into the love, the grace, and the mercy of God. Paul is saying, hey, there is the wrath of God, and it is there, and therefore we ought to be fearful of it. But we, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known to you also, to your conscience. We are not condemning ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, 
it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died, Jesus, for all, therefore all have died. And he died, Jesus, for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, and this is the one we're really going to highlight today, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us this same ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The same ministry that Jesus Christ had as he was on the earth, walking the earth. The same ministry that Jesus Christ had on the cross. The same ministry that he's carrying out now as he sits at the right hand of God the Father, living and making intercession for us. That same ministry he has now imparted to us, saying, I want you to help reconcile us reconcile others to God through the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. Verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin, Jesus, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We were in sin. We are no longer, but we are the righteousness of God. We were a sinner. We are no longer a sinner. We are a saint. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that, Lord, you would teach us, that, God, you would challenge us, and that we would leave this place encouraged. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that for those of us um, that have a, a wrong understanding of this passage, that we would come to the right understanding. I pray for those of us that aren't uh, working as ambassadors of God to this point, that we would walk out of this place with a new mandate, knowing that we are those ambassadors, and that we are bringing life to people because of what you, Jesus, did on the cross. Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, a lot of material to cover, um, and we haven't been doing a book study. We're doing a series now entitled Change. And so in the context here of 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21, I want to bring to light what Paul is talking about. Paul is beginning to encourage the church at Corinth and beginning to show them something here that all of us need to understand today. Because I believe the church at large has misunderstood this, but if we understand it, it will cause us to live differently. What Paul is communicating here in this passage to the church at Corinth is this. There is a change that takes place when you come to Jesus. There is a change that takes place in every area of your life. God is upset. Why is he upset? There's sin. Guess what? He's no longer upset with you. His wrath is not coming at you because you're no longer in sin. You're no longer a sinner, but you are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Once you were in darkness... Now you're light. Ephesians 5a. 
We are no longer in sin. We are in righteousness. We need to understand the name change that takes place. If we don't understand this essential change, it will literally affect every change that God brings in us. If we don't understand this change and this transfer that takes place in this passage, we will literally misunderstand and live our Christian life in a way that is contrary to correct doctrine. Paul is saying, guys, you are no longer sinners, you are saints. You are no longer under the same mandate as those that are sinners. You're under a new mandate of those that are known as righteous. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if, now if is a small word with a big meaning. Therefore, if anyone, appeals to everyone, is in Christ. Now listen to this. He is a new creation. Everything is brand new. He's a new creation. The Greek word there is katesis, and it literally means this, and you've got to catch this. It means this. It means the divine act to make something out of nothing. The divine act to make something out of nothing. Now you've got to catch this and understand this. This is the same thought process that is used in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, there was nothing, but God spoke, and now there's something. He took nothing in Genesis and created the world. He took nothing in Genesis and created the plants and the water and the animals, and He took nothing and He, he created you. He created something. It's the same thought process. There was nothing there. It's a new creation. Okay? Now, if you go back to Genesis, because we've got to carry this same thought process all the way through, you see this, that when God created something, he looked at it and he said, Ha, ah, that is good. Read through it several times. He stops, looks at his creation, says, that's good. He's breaking about himself, in other words. That's good, I think good. Okay. At the very end, what he does, though, is he looks at all of his creation and he says, Wow! That is very good. Now he's really breaking off himself. Come on, how many of you God, you can, you can do that, right? It was very good. This same thought then comes here in the New Testament. When you come to the cross of Jesus, I was a sinner, but I come in contact with Jesus, the cross of Jesus, what he did, his work. And now that I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. And God steps back and says, wow, that is very good. Okay? There's a change that takes place. Okay? Now notice, though, it says it's the divine act of taking nothing and making something. Wait a second. When I come to God, I am somebody. Yeah, I'm a sinner. Okay? This is what's so cool about the work of the cross. See, too many of us view the work of the cross as an external thing. I come as a sinner and he takes some bad things away from me, slaps some makeup on me, and then presents me back out to the world. Okay? It's kind of like you think about a car, right? If you damage your car, okay, and, and you get some dents in it, some dings in it, some scratches in it, oh man, my car's wrecked. And then you bring it to the shop, and they pull out the dents, they putty up the scratches, they throw some paint on it, and they give it back to you. There's your new car. Actually, that's the same car I have. Okay. See, too many of us view salvation like that. It's the same life I had. You just, God, you just kind of puttied up some things and put some new paint on it and gave it back to me. Okay. 
If we are to understand the work of the cross correctly, though, what happens is, is your car gets looked at, even if it's a little scratch, and says, you know what, the whole thing's total. Because doesn't the New Testament say if you fall in one area of the law, you've kind of fallen in all of them? It doesn't matter if it's a little scratch in the mouth as well. It doesn't matter if you pulled out. What God does is he looks at the car and says, total. And then he takes it to the junkyard. They put it in the compactor. Come on, you've seen the movies, right? Squishes it all down, sets it aside, and then says, here's a brand new car. That is what God does through Jesus in our lives. When we were sinners, we come to him and we say, hey, now I'm messed up. God, I need you. And he said, new creation. Old things are passed away. What does that mean? They're dead. Okay? But I look the same physically on the outside. Yes, you do. That's the problem. Too many of us view it externally rather than internally. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Internally. Yeah. Internally. If you mess this thought process up, you will walk your Christian walk, I believe, in an unbiblical way. It's like when, when, I was, when I was young, I got my first car. It was an Audi Fox. They don't even make it anymore. Okay? How many of you guys remember back when Audi made an Audi Fox? Does anybody else come on somebody? I like you. Oh, yeah, Audi Fox. Yeah. It was burgundy and it... It doesn't look like any of the Audis today, but, <laughs> but it was still an Audi, and it was a hand-me-down Audi Fox from my brother, and I got it. The thing was zippy, just like Audis are today, but man, that thing was beat up on the outside. But let me tell you something. Man, that thing ran like a champ, man. It was awesome. It was quick. A little too quick for a 16-year-old, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Didn't look like much. But man, internally, that thing was awesome. Like that Audi. It was fun. Looked horrible. Ran great. I'm sure that's a picture though. I remember not too long ago, that was a little while ago now, but my wife and I, I still like Audis today. I just can't afford them. Okay? Especially if they break down. I like Audi. So not too long ago, I was shopping around and looking for a new car, and I found a black Audi tinted windows, and it was awesome looking. S4, come on, somebody. And I looked at this thing, it's awesome, and, and I was like, let's go test drive. We test drove it, and it felt pretty good, but Katie was a little uncertain about it. She's like, Ben, the, the, the price is way too low. There's got to be something wrong with it. I was like, get behind this thing. <laughs> there was nothing wrong with this car. I want this car. I was already in love with this car. So I said, fine, okay, we'll have it checked. I asked you guys, this thing ever been in a wreck? No, never been in a wreck, you know. Um, I don't even know if I asked for the Carfax, any Carfax, but. Yeah, I guess I'll do a little while ago. And so I had it checked out. It's been $120 to have it checked out. And so I called the shop, hey, how's it looking? They're like, dude, you do not want this car. <laughs> I'm like, why? Yes, I do. Babe, they love it. They think we should get it. <laughs> I was like, what's wrong? This thing's been total. They did a really good job of fixing up the outside, but I'm telling you right now, there are so many problems with this car. That was the best 120 bucks I ever spent. Okay. So you know what the problem is with some people? Is they think that the work of Christ is external. And so they work on conformity rather than transformation. 
I gotta go to church, I should raise my hands, I should say the right things. <laughs> right? But you're nothing more than a really good looking Audi that's broken down on the inside. Yeah. Sooner or later, wow. that Audi would have some issues. You can make it a certain distance by faking it. But what is happening on the inside? When Christ comes and, and we receive the work He does on the cross, everything is new. Internally, everything is brand new. There is power in the cross of Jesus. There is power in what Jesus Christ has done for us. Listen to me. Church and Christianity is not a 12-step program. Hi, my name is Ben Brickman and I'm a sinner. But I haven't sinned in 72 days. Listen, don't get me wrong. Nothing wrong with 12-step programs. They have a place for people, and they're working for some people. But listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross so that you could come every Sunday and say, I'm a sinner, and I'm just trying to get by, and I haven't sinned in 32 days. There's power Amen. in the cross of Jesus. There's power in the work that He did. There's power when the Holy Spirit is somebody with me this morning. There's power in it. We need to recognize that power. Because when we do, we begin to live life differently. We must view the change correctly. If we don't, we will miss out on the abundant life that Jesus has for us. In context, when Paul mentions sin in these verses, it means this. It means to act contrary to the will and law of God. To act contrary to the will and, and law of God. On the flip side of that, when he says you're becoming the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, righteousness means this, to be consistent with the will and the law of God. They're completely different. Sin, inconsistent. Righteous, man, I'm consistent. I'm in right standing with God. Consistent. I'm in right standing with God. I've heard too many Christians and even pastors say this. I'm, I'm a sinner covered by God's grace. I've heard pastors preach into large audiences and they'll make this statement. They'll be like, you know, I'm a sinner just like, you know, like people responding. I'm a sinner just like you covered by God's grace. And I'm like, uh-uh. <laughs> My Bible won't tell me that. To me, honestly, to me, that's bad doctrine, bad theology. Because out of the 28 times, I think it's 28 times, let me just make sure I got that, I don't want to be 28 times. Out of the 28 times sinners is mentioned in the New Testament, never once does it refer to those that have been redeemed by God's grace. Never once does it refer to those that have, been, that have come to the saving knowledge and faith of Jesus Christ. That, that's pretty powerful. Out of the 13 times that sinner is mentioned in the New Testament, number one, is it used of those that have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Do we have verses that we can put up here? I think we have these. Romans 5, 6 through 8. We have Romans 5. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for who? The ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Past tense. Yeah. Okay. Go to the next one here. 
Okay. Romans 1 7. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, called to be saints, you're no longer a sinner, you're now a saint. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we have one more here. Mark 2.17, and when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call righteous, but sinners to repentance. What does the Bible tell us? What is Paul trying to convey here? He's trying to convey there's a name change. You went from sinner to saint. Yeah. You went from ungodly to righteous. There has been a transfer. There has been a name change. And we need to view this name change correctly. We need to see it correctly. Here's why we need to see it correctly. Because if we understand that we're no longer sinners, but we're righteous, we walk different. Yeah. I'm a casual dresser most of the time. If you catch me throughout the week, if you've ever had an appointment with me throughout the week, you know that typically I have shorts, flip-flops, and a t-shirt on. Okay? Why is that? It's comfortable. I like it. In San Diego. Come on, somebody. Well, the pastor, how come you're not wearing that right now? Because I feel naked on stage if I dress like that. It's really weird. Okay. So I don't do it. But every once in a while, you know, if I'm going to take my wife out, you know, or if I'm doing somebody's wedding, I will, I will put the shirt on, I'll put the tie on, I'll put the jacket on, okay? Anybody know what it's like to dress up nowadays, you know? Maybe if you're a businessman and you have an appointment, you know, and you've got to look sharp, and so you get all dressed up. Ladies, hopefully you're not putting on suits, but maybe you're putting on a dress, right? But watch what happens. Now think back now. When you are putting on that, that tie, and you're putting on that dress, and you're looking in the mirror, and you got your high heels on. You don't wear them that often, right? And you're looking... Something happens inside of you. You're like, wow. Yeah. I like you walk different, not just because of the high heels. Okay. <laughs> Guys, when you put on that suit, that tie, that jacket, you're like, you can carry yourself different. Mm -hmm. Just look at the pictures that you take when you're, you know, when you're kicked back in your shorts and you're like, that. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Then you look back at the pictures when you got your tie on and stuff, you're never like, you know, unless you. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Right? It's another topic for another time. But man, you know you're standing. The prom pose. You got your wife with you. You stand different. You walk different. You carry yourself different. You actually begin to think, wow. This is psychology, by the way. I was a psychology major. I actually studied some of this stuff in psychology. When people dress up, so they have the power positions, and actually have different colored ties for different things. Okay? What's this tie saying? I love you all. <laughs> it makes you feel different. Like, wow. The same is true if you understand that I'm no longer a sinner, I'm a saint. Now I begin to walk a little bit different. I begin to carry myself different. I begin to realize that, well, not only has Christ done something in me, but now I have a job, I have a duty, that I'm going to go out and be an ambassador of Christ. But if I'm over here, I'm just a sinner, covered by God's grace, barely making it week to week. There's a problem with that. If we understand appropriately what Jesus Christ did on the cross, 
We understand this, that he came and he took, Paul said it right here, he took all of the sin, all of the stuff, all of that stuff that was on my account, the bad things I did, the sins I committed, and the Bible says that while well, those things were taken from me and they were put on his account. But it doesn't stop there because then the Bible says the righteousness that was on his account was then taken from him and transferred on to me. And so now I'm no longer a sinner. He became that for me. I'm now the righteousness of God. He gave me his righteousness. The problem is this. You've got to catch this today. Please hear this. The problem with saying I'm still a sinner under God's grace is this. We have an understanding that he took something from me, sin, and put it on his account, but it misses the whole entire fact that he took his righteousness and put it on my account. And if we miss that, we live life differently. We treat every interaction with God differently. We treat every change he wants to bring in our life differently. Really what we do is we treat God or Jesus as a maid. We treat him as a maid that comes in and just cleans up some bad stuff in my life. And then I'm, I'm, out, I'm out to go again. We treat him as a maid that comes in and just sweeps up after. I, I have two little daughters that I'm working on their manners right now. Table manners specifically. It's, 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 it's a challenge. It's fun. They eat and somehow they get crumbs everywhere. No, I know, Ben, they're children. They're 10 and 8. <laughs> you can eat over a table. Okay? But I mean, there'll be like a pepperoni slab over there, a carrot over here, and I'm looking around like, dear God, you eat just like your mother. <laughs> <laughs> now, some of you out there are like, oh my gosh, that is so rude. I can't, it's kind of an inside joke between us. Yeah, she knows what I'm talking about. Uh, when we... <laughs> I'll let you in on the inside joke so you know that I'm not a mean husband. When we got married, I mean, I had the whole thing planned, and we got married, and then that night we flew out to Jamaica. But before we flew out to Jamaica, I found the most romantic restaurant in Seattle. It was called Reiner's. And it was just this romantic place. It had five tables total. And so you had to make reservations a long time, you know, in, in advance. And, and, and I was a valet. She was doing um, a waiting table. It's not like we had a lot of money, you know. Um, and so we didn't go out on a lot of really super nice days. So this is like the nicest. We got married. I'm going all out. We're going to celebrate. This romantic place. I still remember that blue dress that she had on. You still have it. I'm sorry. And, and we went out. Hello. We went out to dinner. Man, we, they sat us in. Man, we're eating. Now, I don't remember exactly what we had because I was just staring at my gorgeous wife. And as I'm staring at my gorgeous wife, all of a sudden I look down. And on the table, there was like a buffet of crumbs. <laughs> like it was a buffet. And I look and I'm like, I married a sloth. <laughs> I didn't think that. I didn't. And, and I saw the crumbs, and I'm like, and I look at me, and I'm like, everything's either in my tummy or on the plate. I don't know. <laughs> it was plate. And I'm like, all right, the romantic dinner. Waiter. I wanted them to come over and, you know, clean up the buffet. It was 
comes over. And I was going to say, there's a bunch of crumbs, right? And as I look down, there's my wife smiling, and she had transferred all the crumbs to my side. <laughs> I'm like, wait, and I looked down, I was like, oh, she did not. <laughs> and I'm like, there's some mess, and he just looks at me like I'm a slob, and he takes out his little tool, his little cleaning tool, here, but in a nice restaurant, little thing, and he puts his tray down there, and he just looks at me like, <laughs> and brushes it all, and then walks away like he's disgusted. <laughs> and my wife's just like, See, a lot of us view the work that Jesus Christ did like we view that later. See, I can come and I can pick up after my daughters and then say, hey, girls, you really need to work on, you know, the table. And then the next meal, come over, clean up after my daughters and say, okay, girls, you need, you need to work and eat it at the table. And I could be doing this over and over and over and over and over for every single meal. But until I begin to address them, their character, their behavior, I'm going to spend the rest of my life cleaning up after their mess. Some of us view Jesus that way. We think that Jesus died on the cross, came with a big vacuum cleaner and just, that's all the bad stuff out of our life and then walked away and the next Sunday we come back to church and oh there's a mess again and he comes in and the next Sunday we come back to church and there's a big mess and and he sucks it out. But that's not what Jesus Christ did. Jesus Christ is not our mate. Jesus Christ died on the cross to come in and begin to change our character, begin to change our nature. He began to do an internal work so the mess begins to stop. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but, but Jesus came that you, might, that you might have life, and that you might have it abundantly. Abundantly. See, if you still, if you said yes to Jesus, but you have a wrong thought, oh, I'm a sinner, oh, you might have life, but I guarantee you don't have abundant life. 
But if you begin to see the transfer, the name change that took place, and I'm, I'm righteous. He not only sucks something out of me, but man, he puts something right back in me. It's internal. It deals with the root of my sins. This is the root of my sins. Too many of us are out after outward conformity rather than inward transformation. As a youth pastor, I work with so many young people and parents alike. But I would have to remove certain leaders at certain times from different things. You know, there was times when we found out that our, our leaders who were 18, 19, 20 years old and they'd be going out drinking. And so I'd confront them and say, were you drinking? Yeah, yeah, I was drinking. Okay, well, I'm going to have to ask to remove you from leadership. Why, Pastor? Is there something wrong with drinking? Well, there's something wrong with drinking unless you're 21. It's not about the drinking. It's about the fact that you're breaking the law. And you're trying to help me pastor young people. Does anybody see a problem with that? <laughs> and this is what they would say. Okay, well, Pastor, can I get back involved in the ministry when, when I turn 21? <laughs> In other words, I'm not going to stop what I'm doing and change my behavior. I'll just wait till it's legal and then I'll come back. Is that cool? No, because you're missing the point. Yeah. You're not dealing with your character. You're dealing with the, the work that Jesus Christ does deals with our character. And if we don't get this right, we see as sinners, we see the work that Jesus did as partial. As partial. It deals with certain areas of my life. But not every area of my life. But if we see it and view it through the eyes of a righteous, we realize that it's complete. It covers every area of my life. The reason some people have a hard time with their finances as Christians, they have a hard time uh, 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 trusting God with their money, is because when you hear a verse like this, the righteous have never been forsaken, nor their seed had to beg bread. It doesn't apply to you because you don't see yourself as righteous. You still see yourself as a sinner. So then you can't trust God with that area of your life. Wow. But if we do it as righteous, we realize it's complete. Hallelujah. Deals with every area of my life. And lastly, if we don't get this right, as a sinner, I, I see the work that Jesus Christ did as temporary. It's temporary, but if I, if I see it, if I'm righteous, I see it as final. What did Jesus Christ say on the cross? It is finished. It's final. It's finalized. I did it. But if we continue to say, Mom, oh, just a sinner saved by God's grace, what we do is we are giving ourselves permission to continue to walk in sin. It's not my fault. I'm a sinner by God's grace. It's a tough week. I blew it a few times. But if we see ourselves as righteous, just like when we get dressed up and say, Hey, I look different because I am different. Yes. I look different, man. I carry myself different. I walk differently because there has been a name change. If I, if I view it as final, it gives me security because there is victory. But if I don't view it as final, I walk around fear. I hope I can make it through the week. There's no victory. There's no hope. And therefore, how can we be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies inside of us? If you're righteous, you can. 
If you're a sinner, you can't. But because there's been a transfer, a name change, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have come to you. He took nothing and he created something. God, we thank you for your word today.